Hello, final boys and girls. Welcome back to the Final Girl on 6th Avenue podcast. My name is Carolyn Smith-Hilmer. I am your host and 6th Avenue's very own final girl. So today, I'm really excited to be talking to you about a movie that I don't know why it took me so long to watch, but now that I have seen it, I absolutely love it. I want to apologize in advance for any sound errors or, you know, any um, vocal issues that I might be having. I have COVID right now. So there are some things that I'm having trouble saying. There are some um, enunciations I'm having trouble completing. So thank you so much if you are going to vow to make it all the way through this episode because I really appreciate that. So, um, and I, again, I'm very sorry in advance, but uh, it's weird during COVID. You think sometimes, wow, I'm sick. I can take like a week off work and do nothing or sit around and do whatever I want. That is true, um, but only to an extent because nobody talks about how bored you are when you literally can't leave your house. So I found that to be a little bit eye-opening. I, um, I've been working from home for the last roughly two years and working from home, I never really felt like I was trapped in my house, but now that I can't leave it, like I forcibly can't leave it, that makes it a little bit harder. So that made it a hard pill to swallow for me. But if you um, love being at home and you don't ever care to leave your house, then maybe you didn't struggle with the same thing. But for me, I am bored out of my mind. So I am going to just give you this podcast the way that I would normally and give it to you to the best of my ability. So Today, we are going to be talking about 2016 French film, Raw. The original title was Grave. Um, I don't know, depending on what language you're watching this in, if it has a different title. I watched it in French. Um, On my Netflix, it was titled Raw, so I think that's what most people know it as. This is written and directed by Julia Ducournau, and these are French names, so again, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing them 100% correctly. I have not had any French lessons. Our stars are Garance Marillier, Elia Rumpf, and Raba Nait Ufela. So these, um, this movie is completely in French. I do not believe that there is an English dubbed version, so if that's something that bothers you, I'm sorry. You can watch it in French or French. You can watch it with subtitles in English, but the dialogue is going to be French as far as I understand it. So IMDb, our handy Bible we use every single week. Um... The synopsis of this one is short and sweet and to the point. A young woman studying to be a vet develops a craving for human flesh. Need you know any more? I think not. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. I really am excited to talk about this movie. I really, really like this movie. So we open on a young woman that is approaching a crashed vehicle on the side of an empty and deserted road. Immediately, we cut to our title screen, and Justine, our main character, and her parents are eating at a restaurant cafeteria. Seemingly, it's in the middle of, like, a rural part of France. And she asks only for mashed potatoes on her plate. The woman serving her asks if she wants any protein at all, and she politely declines. When she sits down at the table with her parents to eat, however, she's surprised to find a piece of meat in her mashed potatoes... She spits it out onto her plate, and her mom immediately goes to tell the cafeteria worker that this is unacceptable. Um, At this point, you can kind of wonder if she has maybe an allergy, or maybe she's just really strict vegetarian and doesn't want anything cooked in meat or cooked with meat or anything that has meat in it, and her mom makes the point of saying, like, normally I wouldn't make a big deal, but, you know... What if you had an allergy? Like, what if someone else has an allergy that eats this? Like, we need to solve this problem. So 
she makes a big deal out of it and her dad offers her some of his vegetables and she's like, nah, I'm not really hungry anymore. So Justine and her parents are on a bit of a road trip. They are actually taking Justine to vet school for her first year. And along the way, Justine and her parents talk about where things are in the town that she'll be going to school to, like, familiarize herself with the surrounding area. And they make sure to point out things like the hospital and the morgue, which are connected to each other. So I'm not entirely sure why Justine needs to know where the morgue is. Um, I was under the impression that morgues were always connected to hospitals. Maybe in other countries that's not the case, but I was under the impression that that was always the case. And upon their arrival of a completely empty parking lot at the school, the parents wait for Justine's older sister, Alexia, to come down and say hello. And after they wait for a while, her parents are like, she's not coming. Let's just forget about it. And she never comes. Justine says goodbye to her parents. That night, the upperclassmen are starting a hazing ritual... Um, this particular hazing bit that they're doing is called a lineup. I don't really want to explain why I know what that is. And in this situation, they dramatically and violently wake up the first year veterinarian students in the middle of the night by breaking into their rooms and playing loud music and throwing their beds out the window, which you would have to be really strong to do that. Number one. Number two, that is something I could never forgive somebody for. Literally never. I, I don't know what I would do if somebody threw my mattress out the window. I don't think I would participate in this hazing ritual situation. So barging into her room in the middle of the night during all of this chaos is Justine's roommate, Adrian. And Adrian explains that he is her roommate Justine says she requested a girl, and Adrian says, well, they sent you a gay man instead, so you need to live with it. And that sounds like a lot more fun, if you ask me anyway. All the first years line up in the hallway in their pajamas and their underwear and are escorted to a warehouse party, and I have literally always wanted to go to a warehouse party. Please can someone in Manhattan or Brooklyn make this a reality for me? If you are out there, email me, finalgirlon6 at gmail.com. I will pay you. Anyway, Justine walks around the party wildly and she's overwhelmed with everything that's going on around her. There's people drinking, smoking, making out, dancing. And behind all of the madness of the party, in the top left of the frame, you'll miss it if you're not paying attention, there's a small stuffed sheep that's hanging next to one of the walls and it's covered in blood. Justine attempts to cling on to her roommate, but Adrian has other plans, already making out with a cute boy at the party. Finally, Justine finds Alexia, who is drunk off of her ass, dancing on a table. And once she finally gets her sister's attention, Alexia climbs down from the table and tries not to throw up from how drunk she is. She tells Justine to come outside with her to get some fresh air with Alexia's dog, Quickie. They end up in a room that looks like a storage closet for items that should really not be stored together at all, like there are jars filled with formaldehyde and animals and brains and like deformities and there's also books and photos really weird closet room situation i don't think those things should be stored together what do i know at this point though um justine is starting to wonder why this hazing stuff is even happening in the first place and what the purpose of it all is alexia shows her the photos that line the walls of this storage room of each of the first-year class photos from years before. They stop at the class photo that shows their parents. They comment about how their dad looks completely defeated, but their mom looks pretty normal. So Alexia reassures her it really can't be that bad if their parents were able to do it. Justine tells Alexia that she's so tired she just wants to go back to her room and go to sleep, and Alexia tells her that that's nonsense because first-years are never allowed to go to bed earlier than the upperclassmen, and they return in good spirits to the party. At sunrise, Justine crawls back into her room and rests for about an hour or two. We get to see a group of medical students administer ketamine to a horse and show how they get the horse into an elevated stirrup position while the first years watch. Probably for examination purposes, I have no idea. Or just transportation. I don't, can you imagine, like, lifting up a horse? Like, I just don't really see that being a possibility. 
Then her and the rest of her first year classmates go to what I would consider like a quad. Basically just like a gathering open area. And they take their first year white coat photo. As they line up and face the camera, Justine sees a drop of red liquid on her left shoulder and she already knows what's coming next. The entire class is then doused in red blood and judging by our earlier scene of the horse, I'm going to go ahead and assume that they slaughtered that horse to uh, make this happen. So after they're covered in blood, they immediately line up to take their first communion which consists of a raw rabbit kidney followed by a shot of liquor. Adrian takes his, but when Justine gets to the front of the line, she explains that she can't eat rabbit kidneys because she's vegetarian. She even tells the communion administrator, I don't know what else to call him, to ask her sister for validation because their parents raised Justine as vegetarian. So the upperclassman asks Alexia if she's vegetarian, and Alexia says, no, I'm not vegetarian. Justine is dumbfounded. She's looking at her sister like, what the fuck? We were raised in the same place. Like, this makes no sense. So Alexia takes the rabbit kidney out of, well, she takes it out of the jar. I mean, they're all just reaching their hands in this jar. Like, it's just so disgusting to me. So she reaches her hand in the jar and she's like, I've eaten these before. It's just fine. Justine is like, no, I'm not sold. I'm not going to eat that. And Alexia takes a kidney and pops it in her mouth and chews it up herself. Justine, still not super thrilled with this idea. So Alexia takes another kidney and puts it in Justine's mouth. And Justine tries really hard to chew it. Like she tries really, really hard to choke this thing down. And she does. And um, she declines to take her shot of liquor, which... I would not have declined that part. I definitely would have done that part. But she gives the shot to Adrian and he takes it. And they walk away together with Justine wrenching and trying not to throw up. Later that day at lunch in the cafeteria, everybody is still completely covered in blood and wearing their coats. Justine and Adrian get caught up in a weird and gross discussion about AIDS in which the other boy they are conversing with is adamant that AIDS was first spread by having sex with monkeys. And since Adrian is gay, this is obviously a sensitive subject, and it's completely inappropriate to say to anybody ever anyway, so I don't really know why this man... Obviously, he's a character, but it's like, there are people out there like this, and I just don't... I, I'm not I'm not here... I'm not with you. You know, I, I don't live on the same planet as you. Or I don't want to, anyway. So... They're talking about how disgusting it is to think about having sex with an animal and that on a philosophical and neurological level, if you were to rape a monkey, it would be almost the same thing as having been raped as a woman because monkeys are able to recognize themselves in mirrors and possess nearly the same level of cognition and sentience as humans. That's an interesting discussion. I'd like to, um, I'd like to continue that discussion and maybe read up more on that. Later that night, Justine wakes up in the middle of the night with a giant, disgusting rash all over her body, and so she goes to the doctor the next morning, who tells her that she likely just has food poisoning, but I have never in my life heard of someone getting a rash as a symptom of food poisoning, but maybe it happens. If it's happened to you, please sound off in the comments. I have never heard of this before. All I know right now is that I have a sunburn that's peeling and it itches really bad too. So, woe is me, Justine. Woe is me. Anyway, the doctor hints that she suspects that the rash is a result of a hazing situation from the school and it's a prestigious school and since it's nearby, I'm sure she sees students from there all the time. So she gives Justine a cream to take home and apply regularly and the doctor tells her a tangentially related story but not really about a woman that was fat and had been shopping around for doctors because she needed some blood testing done but every doctor that she went to told her that she was too fat for them to find a vein so then the doctor explained that she literally had no problem finding a vein and that the blood test had nothing to do with her weight at all i'm so confused by this story like even still now i have no idea what to make of this um these things happen. This is true. This actually does happen. Um, and these doctors are full of shit, by the way. You can find a vein. You don't have any problem with it. 
man the fuck up, take somebody's blood, be a doctor, abide by your Hippocratic oath, and get the fuck over it. But, from what I understand about this story, the takeaway is that the girl didn't report what was happening to her. Like, she was being bullied, and she broke down in tears over the kindness of this doctor, because this doctor was the first doctor that she went to that did not mention her weight at all. So, Justine asked, like, how come the girl didn't report anything that was happening to her? Like, why would you allow yourself to be treated like this? And the doctor is like, because she stood out too much. Like, she stood out appearance-wise too much because of her weight. So, she just wanted to act like it wasn't happening, make it seem like nothing was wrong, kind of tuck it in your back pocket and just act like you're okay, just so you can survive. So, Justine says she would consider herself to be average, and the doctor says to just stay quiet and wait it out. And I, honestly, this whole time I was just so focused on the fact that the doctor was smoking a cigarette in the exam room, because that would never happen here. Um, I was just so, like, focused on that for some reason. Um, I don't know if you can smoke in French hospitals, I'm not really sure. Honestly, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, I've just never thought about it. On our way back from the doctor and on to class, an upperclassman stops Justine in the hallway and forcibly tells her to look at the floor and not at the same eye level as upperclassmen do. So she also tells Justine to change because their dress code for the day is actually nightclub attire. And Justine explains that she'll need to check her closet because she isn't sure that she even owns anything like that, which... Okay, that makes sense. Also, the school's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Who is thinking like, oh, I should make sure I have nightclub attire because the nightlife here is so poppin' in the middle of the woods? Nobody's thinking that. The upperclassman takes this as a defiance of an order and gives Justine a diaper to wear to her lecture. After class, she goes to Alexia's room to copy her homework and borrow a dress and some heels to wear since she doesn't own anything nightclub attire-wise. And she tells Alexia that she's upset because she didn't want to have to eat the rabbit kidney and Alexia just gets so fed up with her sister that she rushes her out of her room. And how lucky is Justine because on her way back to her dorm, she sees her mattress on the ground and so she tries to carry her mattress back up to her room from the courtyard. She gets almost all the way up the stairs with it until she gives up and goes to ask Adrian for help. And when she opens the door, she finds Adrian in a bit of a compromised position because he is currently receiving oral sex from another man. Justine kind of gives up on this and she stands next to the door with it closed and is just kind of like in shock about what she saw and she just gives up on the mattress altogether. Later that day at lunch... Justine puts only vegetables on her cafeteria plate and attempts to steal a hamburger patty by placing it in her white coat pocket. When she goes to play at the cafeteria for the food, like when she goes to the counter, um, the woman at the counter embarrasses her by asking her what is in her coat pocket and she digs out the patty to show the worker and walks away embarrassed. Adrian tells her that if she was that hungry and didn't have the money, he would happily pay for her to have some extra food. So later that evening, Adrian takes Justine out for some food at a convenience store, gas station situation, which toss up. I don't know. I never ate at one when I was in France, but if the food is good, I, I see no reason in, in eating, in not eating it, right? Like I would eat it. So on their bus ride to the store, though, they pass by a car accident in which the driver is dead. The body is covered up on a gurney and is waiting to be loaded up onto an ambulance. At the gas station, Justine eats a beef kebab like she's never eaten anything before in her entire life, and Adrian and Justine sit out on a car in front of the gas station and talk about the people visiting the gas station that stop and hang out. And Adrian makes a point to say that it's such bullshit to sell alcohol at gas stations when the consumers will drink, sleep for an hour in their truck, and then get back on the road and drive again because they're still drunk. When one of these, like, loiters that is doing this, drinking and sleeping in their truck, catches them talking about them. He comes over to rub Adrian's ear and neck in the most predatory way I have ever seen a grown man interact with another grown man and comments on how much Justine is eating. 
She tells the man that they both go to the vet school and he tells them to be thankful because not everyone can afford to go to school. The next time we see Justine, she's been eating a whole hell of a lot. A lot, a lot. Adrian finds her at the absolute break of dawn with plates and wrappers all over the kitchen and they have a mini fridge. Like, they live in a dorm. Really, it's one bedroom and that common area and Adrian's bed is just in the common area. So, they have a little kitchen and they have a mini fridge and... She's, like, on her hands and knees digging through it, and he asks her, like, are you hungry? (laughs) Like, it's literally, like, the break of dawn. She says she woke up to get some breakfast. Specifically, she's looking to have cereal, and she had been digging through the fridge for milk, and since it's such a tiny fridge, Adrian is just like, you don't really have to dig that far to find it, because it's, like, two and a half feet tall, so whatever. Um... So he goes back to sleep. He's just like, whatever. I'm not, I, whatever. This is not happening. So he goes back to bed and we pan back to Justine, who's taking a raw chicken breast right out of the packaging and eating it, savoring every single bite really slowly. She is clearly ashamed of these newfound cravings that she's having for meat because she doesn't want people to see her eating it. She ate it yesterday or the day before whenever she was with Adrian at the gas station. They literally went somewhere that was not at school just so she could eat it. She's just, she's really ashamed of these feelings that she's having. So later that day, Justine gets called into her professor's office because someone has been copying her work. It's Adrian. He sits next to her in all of their classes together and frequently looks at her papers. So... Everybody knows that she's absolutely brilliant, and her professor tells her that she's so smart that she belongs at a better school and should have gone on to study something better like philosophy or politics. She's so smart that she makes the other students feel ridiculous, and this makes the professor upset. The whole time they're in this meeting together, though, she's chewing on her hair, and she leaves the meeting and goes to the bathroom to throw up, only pulling out clumps of her own hair that she's been eating. And this scene goes on for so long, it made my throat hurt. She is just pulling and pulling and pulling for what feels like an eternity hair out of her throat. And I, I honestly, I don't even know how long the scene lasted. It felt like a year. Um, it probably only lasted like 45 seconds, but that's a long time to watch somebody pull hair out of their throat. So when she gets up to go rinse out her mouth in the sink, another student approaches her and tells her, Hey, it's much easier if you just shove your fingers in your throat. Two fingers in the throat. You'll get it all out really quick. It's fast. It's easy. You won't be retching at the toilet for that long. Justina's like, "Uh, okay, thanks. Bye. And she just leaves. Also, uh, sit rep. This is where things get really bad. Um, So I'm really sorry for what I'm about to read you. I know it's not really my fault because I didn't write it, but... I'm choosing to tell you about it, and for that, I feel equally guilty. So later that night, Justine and Alexia get drunk together on top of a building at the school, and they go back to Alexia's room where she decides it would be a great idea to give Justine, who is a virgin, she told the doctor she was a virgin, um, a bikini wax. But in her defense, she only wants to do the Brazilian and not get rid of everything, so she does one side, Justine cries out in pain, it's hot, it hurts, no shit, I've given myself one of these, it was the most awful thing I've ever done in my life. It should have only taken, like, I want to say 15 minutes. Um, It took me like an hour and a half to do, I don't know, not even half of of it, I I couldn't do it, it hurt way too bad. So, um, I, I don't know how she's letting her sister do this to her, but anyway... Personal endorsement, just wanted to let you know it hurts really bad. Don't do it yourself. Go to a person who has a license that does this for a living. I think you'll have a lot um, better experience. So, uh, She practically forces Justine to do the other side now because it would look uneven and she doesn't want to do it. So Alexia starts to pull the wax off the other side and she's having so much trouble pulling it and she's like, this wax just like doesn't look right. And I'm not exactly sure what she meant by this, but I think she just made the wax too hot and used it before it was ready because like you have to let it cool to a certain temperature before you can actually apply it. So she goes to get some very large kitchen scissors to cut the wax off of Justine's pubic hair 
And Justine is like, uh, this is my vagina. I don't want you using scissors anywhere near it. Like, no, thank you. And um, in her panic of not wanting her sister to use the scissors next to her vagina, she jolts and kicks Alexia in a way that causes Alexia to clamp down the scissors and cut off her own middle finger. So Alexia collapses onto the floor and passes out at the sight of her hand missing a finger. And Quickie the dog is licking the blood on the carpet where Alexia's hand bleeds from. So Justine calls 911 and they tell her to take the finger and put it on some ice in hopes of being able to reattach it at the hospital. Alexia never turned on her fridge in her dorm, so there's no ice and there's nowhere cold to store the finger. Justine sits on the floor of the kitchen with the finger in her hands. Slowly, she starts to eat the finger. First, by taking little tiny nibbles and eventually clearing it like a chicken wing. I am not exaggerating this. Alexia wakes up to see Justine having just eaten her finger and starts to cry. At the hospital, which appears to have the morgue completely visible to the waiting room of the hospital, that's how close it is. It's always nice to be reminded of the little things like what dead bodies look like. Um... A nurse wheels out Alexia in a wheelchair, which I find interesting, much like Justine does, because what the fuck does that have to do with her hand? Anyway, Alexia exclaims that Quickie the dog ate her finger. Feeling both relieved and shocked that Alexia did not throw her under the bus, Justine says she's going to go to the bathroom, and Alexia tries to follow her by standing up, but their mom, upset that Alexia is attempting to do too much physical activity at this time, shoves her back down in her chair and tells her that she will help her. So Justine goes outside to the parking lot and tries to shove her fingers down her throat to throw up the finger, and she is completely unsuccessful. Justine meets her dad in the parking lot and smokes a cigarette with him. He tells her that the dog will have to be put down because once they taste human meat, they will continue to crave it for the rest of their lives. Alexia will be at risk of the dog eating the rest of her body just by the dog being alive and living with her. So Justine asks if the dog could just take medicine for it instead, and her dad says no because medicine doesn't fix everything, and she will learn that soon enough at school. The next morning, Justine pushes Alexia's wheelchair across the empty campus parking lot on their way back to school. Alexia gets out of the chair and starts walking because, again, what the fuck does her finger being gone have to do with her legs not working? She says she wants to talk and asks Justine to follow her, so they go to a spot on the side of the road and crouch down out of sight from the field of vision of the drivers on the road. The school's in the middle of absolutely nowhere, so again, very weird to me that Alexia was so certain that she was going to see a car pass by. Fed up with Justine asking so many questions about whether or not she's going to talk to her about the finger incident and being like, hey, you asked me to come all the way out to the side of the road with you so you could talk to me? Like, I don't understand what's going on. Alexia jumps out in front of the next car that passes by, and causes the driver and the passenger to die upon impact. Obviously, Alexia was a little winded and all from her running and jumping since she just lost her finger, as one would be. So after Justine checks on her and Alexia regains her strength, Alexia walks over to the car and opens the passenger door. She reaches in with her head and emerges from the car with blood all around her mouth. She, too, likes to eat people. Horrified that it runs in the family, Justine walks off and down a very busy road and back to the school as the sun comes up. Basically like a highway. Later that day, Adrian and Justine have the very big task of dissecting what looks like a German Shepherd. They're in vet school. Chill. Okay? Nobody freak out. Like, this is what you do in vet school. You dissect things, I guess. I don't know. I haven't been to vet school. Um, I dissected a cat once. Um, Not a dog, but I did do a cat, and it was mortifying, and I knew at that point that I did not want to be a vet, but kudos to you if you can do that. I can't do that. Um, Anyway, they're going to dissect a dog today. It looks like a German Shepherd. Adrian tells Justine he's very sorry to hear about Alexia's finger, and Justine is like, I thought you hated Alexia. Why do you care? He says even still, it's fucked up that she lost a finger, and Justine starts going down on this dog like she's just like scalpel in the dog 
She's cutting it open. She's ready. She's not wasting any time. She doesn't care what Adrian says. She doesn't care that she's the first person to get started. And uh, the instructor is actually, like, commending her for this. And she's like, yeah, don't be scared. Just get in there. Don't be afraid. She takes a scalpel. She's cutting it open. No hesitation. Adrian's looking at her like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is insane. Why are you acting so weird? And um, Justine just says, make sure you tell Alexia about your sympathy because she'll really appreciate it. And he's just like, <laughs> okay. Um, and then the first years have to stand in a crowd while singing chants loudly while the upperclassmen throw food and yell at them. And after this, the students play a heated game of soccer in which Justine takes a very lustful interest in Adrian, even though he's very gay. So while she is creepily watching Adrian play soccer, her nose starts to bleed. But back in her dorm room, she puts on her sister's dress and puts her headphones in and starts to dance sexily while staring at herself in her mirror. The song she's listening to is truly the most terrifying song I think I might have ever heard in my entire life, and if I find out what this song is called and if it's popular in France and it wasn't just made for this movie, I will genuinely break down in tears. This is so upsetting. So, um, she puts on red lipstick. She starts to make out with herself in the mirror. She breaks her focus by hearing something in the living room, and she goes out to find Alexia and Adrian are playing video games together. So Justine is confused by this, but Adrian leaves to go to a party at a nearby hospital where he joins in on a game where the on-call interns drink until someone comes into the ER they throw up, they treat the patient, and then they come back to partying. And again, if I find out that this is true, I am disgusted. Then she sits down to play the game with Alexia. Alexia asks her if she's anorexic because she looks like she's lost a substantial amount of weight. She explains that she's not sick, and Alexia reminds her that she will be if she doesn't satisfy her hunger very soon. So she tells Alexia that it's okay. She just wanted to try eating people meat and she doesn't really like it, but also that she doesn't judge Alexia for eating it herself, which I don't know. She seemed pretty confident on chowing down on that finger. Don't know. Don't know. So later that night, Justine has a really sleepless night and she's up all night with what I think are severe hunger pains and she can't sleep. She's sweating she keeps screaming for someone or something to stop hitting her as she hides underneath her bed sheet, and eventually she emerges from under the sheet to find literally nobody in the room with her. But her dorm room bedroom door is open. So she goes out into the hallway to investigate and finds another dorm room door open with a bunch of upperclassmen in it. So she's greeted with a dousing of blue paint. After she is doused with the paint, they shove her into a bathroom with another first year who was covered in yellow paint. And they tell the two to not come out until they're both green. At first, Justine is hesitant. She's a virgin, so she's a little worried about this sexual encounter. And the man in yellow tells her they can just take it slow. And she's like, okay, like that makes her feel a lot more comfortable. She agrees and they begin to make out. And after a few minutes, the man leaves the bathroom holding his lip and screaming about how she's fucking crazy. So Justine goes back to her dorm room to shower and finds a piece of his lip in her teeth, and she picks it up off the shower floor and eats it. She bit off a piece of his lip. Like, what? So after she leaves the shower, she goes and she lays with Adrian. She's still in her towel, and he's like, hey, come here. I want you to tell me what happened. I want to know that you're okay. He asks her if she bit his lip because he attacked her or forced her into having sex, and she says no, he didn't force her. He asks her if she is still sexually aroused, and she's confused by the question because Adrian is gay. So she asks if he's going to kiss her, and he says no. She then gets up, she goes to bed. Adrian begins to masturbate by watching what looks like a sex tape of himself and another man. And Justine emerges from her room to find Adrian and tells him exactly that what excites her is pretty bad. So they begin to have sex. Again, Adrian is gay. I'm very confused by this. Still very confused. If, if there's one thing in the movie that I think about more than anything else, it's this. Regardless, 
The entire time they're having sex, Justine is trying to bite Adrian. And he keeps trying to fight her off from the biting thing, and he's telling her, no, don't do that. Eventually, she bites down on her own forearm. And she's slurping up her own blood. She climaxes, and Adrian holds her in, like, a very concerning way, stroking her hair, being like, what the fuck is wrong with this girl? She's fucking crazy. The next day... That's got to be awkward. So not only do you live with the guy, but he also sits next to you in all your classes. So Justine, make better choices with who you choose to have sex with, okay? The next day they're in class together and Adrian shows her a text from Alexia on his phone telling him to tell Justine to check her phone. Justine takes out her phone to find a text from Alexia saying that their parents put down Quickie the dog and that mom is super sad and Justine finds it weird that Adrian has Alexia's phone number and he isn't interested in talking to her. He goes on a small rant about how he doesn't want to talk about what happened the night before. It was a mistake. Justine is like, you know, you're not treating me very nicely for being someone who just took my virginity. Like, I'd like to talk about it. It's kind of a confusing time for me. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. I didn't have sex with you to go back into the closet. I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. And he storms out. Everyone's attention is caught by this. They're all looking at him. And that night, things take a turn for the absolute worst case scenario ever. So at a party, Justine gets hellaciously drunk. And she finds her sister. And Alexia tells her, hey, come with me. So she trusts her sister. And Alexia takes her out of the party into the morgue. I have no idea where this hospital... If this is in the hospital, like, I don't know. I have no idea where this party is. Um, but somehow they end up in the morgue. And um, <laughs> Alexia is, like, trying to talk to Justine. Justine is so drunk she can't even walk anymore at this point. And um, she falls asleep on, like, an autopsy table. She just, she can't, her legs are like baby deer learning to walk. She can't, she can't walk. She doesn't know how to work them. So anyway, the next day, Justine goes to class and she sits next to another girl and the girl looks at her and immediately changes seats. That would hurt my feelings really bad. I don't, I don't think that's ever happened to me, but if it did, that would make me cry. So Justine sniffs herself and she's like, I don't smell bad. Like, I don't understand. And so she's confused by... She's really confused by, like, someone just having this reaction to her. Like, she just doesn't, she doesn't get it. So, after class, she goes to the bathroom. She's approached by Adrian. Adrian and her haven't really been talking at this point, so she's kind of, like, confused. He takes her into the bathroom and shows her a video. The video is nearly the entire party from the night before, all piled into the morgue, and Justine is on all fours like a dog. Alexia has taken one of the bodies in the morgue out of the drawer. So she's like pulled the drawer out of the wall and is waving the arm of the body in front of Justine's face, tempting her like a dog with a treat or a toy. Justine is so drunk that she can't reach the arm with her mouth and she keeps falling down. She's so drunk that her arms and legs literally cannot support her body weight. So after she sees this video, she's obviously horrified and she goes to find Alexia who just so happens to be out on like this common area quad and begins to fight her. And in the fight, Alexia takes a chunk out of Justine's cheek. What the fuck? Eventually they get broken up by some upperclassmen who are watching the fight and Alexia cleans Justine's cheek wound later that night. And we see her remove a key from her bedroom door which implies that she'd been locking herself in her bedroom at night to keep others safe. She leaves Alexia in her bedroom and goes to sleep in the living room with Adrian, and she chooses not to lock the door from the outside to keep Alexia in. The next morning, there's a siren sounding that's telling all the first years that like their initiation week is over, and um, everybody gathers out on the quad early in the morning at, at dawn. Justine wakes up to find that she's covered in blood. The blood is from Adrian's quad. She cries. She panics over his body. She's asking him, why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you fight back? What did I do to you? What happened? She sees that he'd been stabbed in the back at first. Um, 
So he couldn't fight back because he had been incapacitated at that point. And she looks across the room to find Alexia sitting on the floor and covered in blood also. She takes the ski pole that had been used to stab Adrian and places it carefully on Alexia's forehead. She decides at that point not to kill her sister. I don't know. Maybe I would have. I don't know. Ashamed, Alexia lets Justine shower her and clean her up. And the next time we see the two sisters, Alexia is in prison and her parents and Justine are visiting with her through a piece of glass. Back at home, Justine tells her parents that she's full from lunch and she doesn't want to finish her plate of vegetables, but her mom tells her to stay at the table until she's finished her plate. Her dad stays with her and talks about how it wasn't really Alexia's fault that she was put in this situation. They had only planned on having one child, and they let Alexia do things, like eat people meat, that she probably shouldn't have done. Then, they had Justine, and that's why they raised Justine as a vegetarian, because much like Quickie the dog, once they get a taste of human meat, they can never go back. At this point, Justine notices that her dad has a very large scar on his upper lip, much like the one that she left the man with covered in yellow paint. And he tells her that at first, their mother would not give him the time of day in school. But once she finally kissed him, he found out why. He unbuttons his shirt to show her a plethora of scars and open, freshly healing wounds all over his chest and stomach. And he tells her that he hopes that she will find something that works for her, much like their mother did. Okay, so, I'm so glad that's over. So I can honestly say that this might be the most unique movie I've ever seen. Um, Truly, this movie has stuck with me in a way that no movie ever has before. The imagery in this movie is something that, in my opinion, could only have been captured by a French filmmaker. I firmly believe that. And the colors are so vivid. The reds are the reddest, purest of red. I'm both completely enamored with and horrified by this movie. I do have to say, though, I've always thought about how doctors and vets can eat meat. Like, I've always thought about this. One single surgery, and um, I would become vegan. Like, I don't think I could ever eat meat again. Even after I watched this movie, um, it took me three or four days before I was able to eat chicken again. Um... And even now, I'm still kind of struggling with the texture of chicken. If you know me, you know, I really, truly, absolutely draw the line at eating people. I, like, I can watch any movie. I can watch the most depraved of the depraved. I can watch surgeries. I can watch whatever. I cannot watch somebody take a piece of meat from somebody else's body and eat it. I don't know what it is. I just can't do it. I don't know. I really don't. Um... But if I was a doctor or a vet, I would for sure be vegan. And um, I think this movie kind of shines a nice light on that. Like, Justine and her parents are vegetarian. They're all vets or vets in training. Especially after looking at the insides of a cow, there's no way I would ever be able to eat one again. So it almost at first seems like Justine finds herself like morally superior to those that eat animals. Or just doesn't eat them because she would have a hard time doing it. And maybe in a way she does feel that way throughout the rest of the movie. But on the one hand, she has a craving that clearly only human meat can satisfy. But on the other hand, she settles for regular animal meat in a pinch. Like she eats the kebab. She wanted to eat the um, the patty, the hamburger patty at lunch. She ate the chicken out of the fridge. But even at the end of the movie, she chooses to eat the vegetables with her parents instead of any meat at all. So maybe in some way, Justine and her parents could not bring themselves to eat meat after caring for animals. I don't know. I get it. Some online and like forums and stuff, there's a discussion about this being about sexual awakening. And I don't know that this movie is necessarily about sexual awakening, like purely sexual awakening, because... The sex in the movie is not 
sexy, if that makes sense. It's very, like, clinical, dry, to the point. Even the characters are not overtly sexualized. Like, when Justine is wearing this, like, quote-unquote nightclub attire, sometimes she wears this dress and she puts her jeans underneath it. Like, she's not even hardly showing any skin. The dress shows no cleavage. It's like, comes all the way up to the neck. It has um, a moderate amount of sleeves. And I want to say it comes to the knee. I wouldn't consider it nightclub attire. I wouldn't really consider it sexy. When they're all out in like their pajamas and stuff, when they're being hazed in the hallways and stuff, um, they're not wearing thongs. Like they're not wearing like cute underwear. They're wearing sleeping underwear like they're not nothing in the movie is overtly sexual um at all but i think that is an interesting take but more broadly i think this movie is just about awakening as a whole um we have a young woman she's going off to college she's away from her family for the first time, she's eating meat for the first time, she's having sex for the first time. All of the first that your parents dread, but are inevitable, she's doing them. Although, she didn't do any drugs in the movie, so we must commend her for that. Um, especially because they work with horses, so you know they have ketamine lying around, and she didn't do any drugs. But no matter what you do to protect your kids, or should I say shelter in this instance... Regardless, when left to their own devices, kids will do what they want. They're going to do whatever they want. And uh, some of those things that they try will have bigger repercussions than others. It just so happens that in this movie, we see a young woman just making a discovery with really big consequences because she likes to eat people and where is she going to get the people meat from? I did think it was interesting that her dad showed her his chest revealing that their mom too is a cannibal and um he's like hey i hope you find something that works for you so that's really interesting because he's just been like letting the mom eat him alive piece by piece maybe um in exchange for like a piece of skin here and there she is satisfied long enough to like not eat and kill other people People, I have no idea, but that would definitely explain why she knew where the morgue was and pointed it out. hey you can go to the morgue. You can get a dead body from there. You can eat it if you want to. Um, and the car crashes are a big thing in the movie. Like, people are causing these car crashes so that they can get fresh dead victims. Like, it's a whole thing. So, I don't know. Maybe Justine will live happily ever after with a man who allows him to... Uh, eat pieces of himself and give them to her. I don't know. I wish her the best. I really do. I do also think it's really interesting, though, that there's this, like, animalistic aspect of the movie as well because we're talking about a, um, a young woman who's working with animals. Her whole family works with animals. Her sister is also in the same school. Like... They're all working with animals. I don't know. It's weird. Like, people talk a lot about this, like, weird, innate, like, thing that, like, people have where, like, they have to eat meat because, you know, we're in the kingdom Animalia and animals eat meat and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know about that. I, like, I guess I just know too many people that are vegetarian or have issues with meat. I have issues with meat too sometimes. Like I'm a texture person. So sometimes I can't eat meat and there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know. It seems really odd to me that that would be a problem for somebody. Cause like what I eat has nothing to do with you. But, um, I think it's a nice like juxtaposition to see like animalistic primal things in, um, in humans with you know, the focus also on animals as well. Um, because whenever Alexia takes Justine out to the side of the road and is like, hey, watch this. And she jumps in front of the car and kills the people. She's like showing Justine as if Justine was like her young. Hey, this is how you get food. This is how you hunt. This is how you get what you need. People eat people. 
in the animal world, like animals are hunting other animals. They're not really hunting other, they're not hunting people. So she's like showing her like, hey, you're my young, watch this. I'm older than you. I can teach you these things. You need to learn these things so you can satisfy your own hunger. So I do like that aspect of it. But truly, like for me, what stuck out the most about this movie, other than the fact that Adrian is gay and had sex with her, because I still like, I just I can't get over that. But the one thing that really I thought to be the most prominent was just given this environment, right? If Justine wasn't put in this environment, would she still have allowed herself to be treated this way? Meaning, would she have allowed herself to be hazed if um, her parents hadn't gone through it as well? Like, there have been studies on this, actually. But I just can't help but think, like, maybe if Justine hadn't gone to this school, maybe if the professor was right that was interrogating her, Um, If he was right about how smart she is and she went on to study politics or philosophy or whatever, maybe she wouldn't have been put in this position and maybe she wouldn't be eating meat. But I also kind of think it's like her parents' fault because they know. They know about the mom. They know about Alexia. So they know that at this school she's going to get hazed because they all went there and that at this school she's probably going to eat some meat. And what is that going to do with her? It's going to awaken this instinct in her that she wants to eat humans so like i don't know i think it's also their fault a little bit and really i think the hazing focus for me probably comes from the fact that i'm watching this like from a uniquely american perspective and hazing is something that we talk a lot about in america um i have a study here and you know it's really weird because i've never read a study or like a research report from a university that doesn't have a title but it doesn't have a title Um, and I've not ever encountered that before, but it is from alfred.edu. I will link it, obviously, but, um, in their executive summary, they talk about how joining groups is a human need and it's very basic and it's kind of about this forming a sense of identity and is really something that, um, makes a big difference in the lives of impressionable teenagers. And so in this study that they conducted um, of high school students, they found that 91% of high school students belong to at least one group and nearly all of those, so 98%, experience positive activities as part of joining this group. But they also found that um, 71% of the students subjected to hazing reported negative consequences such as getting into fights, being injured, fighting with parents, doing poorly in school, hurting other people, having difficulty eating, sleeping, concentrating, and feeling angry, confused, embarrassed, or guilty. All of which we see Justine doing. Like, literally all of these things. Except for doing poorly in school. She doesn't ever do poorly in school. Um, And they also concluded that Um, adults have to share their responsibility of hazing. Like, students are more likely to be hazed if they knew an adult that was hazed. So, Alexia tells Justine, hey, you literally, like, our parents did this, so it literally can't be that bad. So, like, you're gonna stick it out. It's fine. I did it. It was fine. Like, I don't know. That's kind of a dumb reason to me. And 36% of the students that said that they would not report hazing noted it was primarily because there's no one to tell or adults won't handle it correctly. Because if they know that it's going on, then you can't report it to them because they already know about it and they don't care. And that's why the doctor at the hospital that she went to was like, hey, I know what goes on there. Just, just lay low. Just be cool. Be calm. Not a big deal. You'll get through it. Don't stick out. So they're hopeless. Um... And more than that, I, I, this kind of got me on this, like thinking about how, um, there's many cases and many instances, um, of people going through like medical residency, graduating from medical school that either leave their residency program. Can you imagine 
working so hard to get to the point of being a resident and having your attending physician bully you and hospital administrators bully you to the point that you cannot come to work anymore. Some of these people kill themselves over this stuff. How the fuck do you people allow this to happen? I I hate this idea. I hate it. But that's what this reminded me of. Because look, we're talking about people in an environment that's what? It's highly competitive. It's incredibly competitive, okay? Everybody wants to be the best. Justine is the best. She has her professors telling her that she is. There's no room for error on that. But also, we're dealing with young people. These people are, like, teenage-aged and maybe a little older. Like, they're college-aged. Like, this this happens in college-aged kids. Like, they get their... The consequence of groupthink, they do things that they know they shouldn't be doing... And a lot of the time when I hear about it happening with medical students, it's like just the sheer amount of humiliation. This is anecdotal, but it's like the sheer amount of humiliation that these physicians and that are in, you know, positions in the, in the hierarchy that are higher than the students who are learning. It's just terrible. It's just awful. And, um, in this Wikipedia page, it's just a pretty comprehensive, um, I don't know, study or not even study, but just a comprehensive like resource for bullying and, and abuse in medicine. And when talking about medical students, around one in four of the 1,000 students questioned in this um, uh, survey that they're talking about, they found that they had been bullied by a doctor. So 25% of these people. And furthermore... Bullying has been known to occur among medical students with manifestations being humiliated by teenagers in front of patients or peers, being victimized for not having come from a medical family, being put under pressure to carry out a procedure without supervision. Can you fucking believe that? That is disgusting. And being ostracized by other medical students for asking questions due to the medical content being confusing for some. They're doing this via social media, phone, and in person. And one study showed that the medical faculty was the faculty in which students were the most commonly mistreated. I, I, I just can't, I just don't understand this. 53% of students in the University of Michigan of Family Medicine um, stated that they reported high levels of depressive symptoms and were worried that revealing their illness would be risky for their careers. And 62% said that asking for help would mean their coping skills were inadequate. Uh, I just, I don't know. It, it, like, stuff like that just makes me sick because... Using the excuse of, well, I had to do it, so you do too, does not mean that you can ask someone to do things that are inhumane and humiliating. I'm sorry. It's not the case. We evolve. Times are changing. People are different. Learning environments are better. We are more well-equipped. We have more research. Get the fuck over yourselves. But Justine being in this medical environment, although not dealing with people, she's dealing with animals. Kind of, it, it reminded me of this and I, um, that makes me very sad. But that was my, my main focus when I was watching this whole thing. So is it about awakening? Yeah. Is it about primal instinct? Yeah. Is it about hazing? Yeah, it is. It's about all of these things. I think this movie's fantastic. I... I really can't recommend it enough. If you haven't seen it already, it's on Netflix. Um, not a long movie. I, I, you, I watched it, you know, in a Friday evening. Pretty leisurely. I got really sucked into it, though. So be prepared for that. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Again, I'm very sorry for my voice and the way that I sound. But I'm happy to be bringing this episode to you today. So... Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, 
please reach out to me via email at finalgirlon6, that's the number six at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram at finalgirlon6, number six. Um, as far as like ratings go, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing ratings because I haven't really gotten any feedback on them, but maybe from my own, I don't know, just sense of self, I'll rate this movie. Um, out of 10, I would give this movie a strong nine. I thought it was wonderful. I thought the writing was great. Um, it's definitely probably not going to be something that I can rewatch for a long time because of just the content. Like I said, cannibalism is really hard for me, but I really enjoyed this film. So please, please, please give it a try and let me know what you think. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends, family, your Facebook group, your knitting group, your quilting group, whoever about me. I would love if you could share the word of this podcast. Please have them like, subscribe, give me a five-star rating, leave a review. I would really appreciate it on Apple Podcast. And until next time, I am your final girl on 6th Avenue, and I will talk to you very soon.